We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the DGD podcast. As always, Robert Reynolds and Kobe Pierce. Kobe, how are you doing today, man? Doing good, Robert. I mean, just, you know, recovering after the fourth long day. So, um, you know, shout out all of you that had to go into work today. Sorry about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, with that being said, though, uh, I hope everyone is having a great, uh, had a great day, uh, had a great fourth. Um, I know it was interesting for me, uh, but let's get down to business, right? We are awaiting a massive, and I do mean literally a massive, uh, announcement from Daniel Calhoun. He is expected to announce his commitment, really, at any moment. Um, And as I say that, he has committed to the University of Georgia. Calhoun has committed to Georgia. That's 6'6", 355. Uh, that is a grown-ass man, grown-ass man. Um, so way to start the show off. Uh, <laughs> that was insane. Wasn't expecting to necessarily pop off at noon. However, comma, the good guys get their man, and the Great Wall of Georgia is being built very, very quickly. Uh, Kobe, obviously with uh, Calhoun being from Walton, uh, what are your f- initial takeaways uh, from uh, Calhoun. Yeah, I just want to say to start with, um, my man's punctual. I mean, he had that loaded and ready to go. Like 12 o'clock, it dropped. Um, uh, you know, kind of funny because, uh, you know, some sometimes these can kind of drag out. They, you know, they say 12 and all of a sudden it's 12.30, all of a sudden it's, you know, one o'clock, some, you know, sometimes it's all the way to that night or whatever. So um, the fact that he said he was committing July 5th at noon, um, he stood by that fairly quickly. But yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, he's a big body from in-state. Um, you know, a lot of things have him ranked as a top five, top six tackle in this class. Um, you know, it, it's always great to, to stack top five talent especially when they're from the state. I, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, he, he's not – if you look at some of the other tackles in this class that you 
maybe didn't get. You know, two of them are from South Carolina, two of the top five, two of the top six guys from South Carolina. Both are staying home in South Carolina. So I think it's important that you're also keeping in-state talent, especially when this really came down to you and Alabama. I, I think that's always an important detail. Um, you know, big body. I think there's going to be some um, talks about possibly like an Xavier Truss who – Yes, big body. Yes, was a tackle coming out of high school, but you know, pretty much exclusively played guard here. Um, I think that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, but hey, you'd rather teach somebody who's six six how to play guard than someone who's six three how to play tackle. It's just kind of how it works. Absolutely, I think with his, I think with his weight as well, right? Being you know what he's listed as, uh, you know. 24-7 has him at 355, on three has him at 365, right? Regardless, I think you see Georgia, when he gets to Georgia, I think what you'll see is you get him to slim down, right? Slim down, and if he does that, I see I see a potential for, a, uh, I wouldn't say I want this, but could be a day one starter, uh, whether it be a tackle or guard. Uh, just depends on how you feel about it, right? I think you could see him move into guard, but I, definitely the potential for tackle as well. Um, you know, so obviously an excellent addition uh, for Georgia here, but also uh, he, he was the must have name in this offensive line class. If you're Georgia, um, you know, like you mentioned, you're an in-state guy, uh, you know, Georgia's going for a lot of massive individuals, right? A lot of massive individuals, but I think Georgia just had to keep this one in state. Uh, you know, and listen, obviously we talked about my, uh, well, we didn't talk about this, uh, but he's also joining the class with Michael Uini, uh, committed, uh, since our last show, I think he committed what well, Thursday or Friday. I forgot exactly. I think Friday, Friday was what it was. Uh, so now you look at Uini and Calhoun now, uh, obviously on top of, uh, Marcus Harrison and Ma- Malachi Tolliver and, it's just one of these things where you look at these, these are some massive individuals to the point where it feels like Sam Pittman's back, right? Just absolutely massive individuals. Um, Kobe, do you want to elaborate more on why do you think Georgia is going for such massive individuals? Yeah, I think it really, um, it tends to come down to, to offensive line coaches and offensive coordinators and what they value in an offensive lineman. Um, you know, Sam Pittman and uh, Jim Chaney valued big, you know, strong people movers. Um, you know, Todd Munkin, kind of when he got here, definitely wanted that, like, mixture of alignment, someone maybe a little smaller, a little faster, a little quicker. Um, this tells me that, I mean, you're still going to want athletic linemen, don't get me wrong about that, but you're definitely back to enjoying having the big people movers. Um, you know, I think you've realized that as people get bigger, faster, stronger in the SEC, you also have to get bigger, faster, stronger in the trenches. You can't be, you know, outweighed, outlinked, out all these things. Can't give up, you know, size, arm length, reach to a better defensive lineman and expect to have success. Um, you know, it, it, it very big when you talk about the last two offensive tackles you've gotten to, you know, basically the other guy um, picks you over Michigan. 
just talking about like teams that you're competing for nationally and also you played both of both Alabama and Michigan last year in the playoffs um, to win that national championship. You know, I think people sometimes forget that those games can be won today in in June, July, getting a recruit like this. You know, you, you think about like a Jamari Sawyer who was, you know, obviously not as big, but obviously a very, very good offensive lineman from the state of Georgia. He plays in those two games. He absolutely shuts down Aiden Hutchinson, David Najobo. And then he really has a great game against Will Anderson Jr. as well. Um, you know, those are the kind of guys that you keep in state and they pay dividends down the road when they're junior or senior. They help you win big games against the guys that they didn't go to school for. Yeah, also, I think another thing worth noting here with Calhoun was ten, he's actually a Bama legacy if you will. So it makes it even sweeter for Georgia to land Daniel Calhoun. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I'm excited for it. Listen, like I said, I think this was the, the must have for this class in the 24 cycle. Obviously uh, Georgia is not done folks. Georgia is not done. Um, but I do want to, I do want to bring this up to you. So that makes 23 commits for this class. Uh, and we just started July. Um, you know, typically, listen, 25 is a magic number you're used to hearing. That is no longer the case. That is absolutely not the case anymore. I think you look at, what, 30 maybe? 30-ish, depending on how the situation plays out. Um, 30 could be the magic number, but Georgia Georgia's just loading up on the offensive line and – like I said, I'm ecstatic. Uh, welcome to Dog Nation, uh, Daniel. And looking forward to seeing some more uh, recruits popping off soon uh, for the University of Georgia. Now, with that being said, if you are if you keep up with 24-7, uh, the addition of Calhoun uh, brings the class point number to 304. Uh, I know some people, some, uh, some people don't see and, and have to feel the need for that. I mean, Listen, I'm not necessarily one to look at points. I, I look at average ranking. Uh, but I think that number can very well go up. But do you think, Kobe, that that number will match? Um, do you think it will beat A&M, per se, uh, for the greatest ever? I will be highly surprised. Um, you know, it, I think you saw this, and, and you know, this is a um, – a good transition and a random shot in the dark kind of body blow. Um, I think you saw yesterday why the University of Georgia, as long as Kirby Smart's in charge, probably will never um, beat that recruiting class Texas A&M had two years ago. And it has to do with a man named Cam Coleman. For those who didn't look at Twitter yesterday during the holiday, um, surprise commitment to Texas A&M, out of Phoenix City, Alabama, five-star wide receiver, heavy, heavy, heavy Auburn, um, you know, lean, you know, silent commit, whatever you want to call it. I mean, basically, everybody and their mother had, you know, Cam Coleman wrapped up going to Auburn, see you there. We were in it. 
we were we were trying our hardest to be in it. We wanted him, you know, to to maybe be a Georgia Bulldog. I kind of think we all thought that it was going to go on throughout the summer and maybe push it into the fall before he committed. Um, I think it we, it gave us a good chance, but kind of the out of the blue commit to Texas A and M when really they haven't even been talked about just screams that you know there was a phone call made. It was you know how much nil money are you going to make at Auburn? How much nil money has Georgia offered you? Okay, double that. We'll give it to you here at Texas A and M. And he said, okay. I'll see you there. And and I think that's the thing about, you know, that 20, what was it, 2022 class for Texas A&M. When you just start looking up and down their um, commit board, like the amount of, the mass amount of players they took at like single positions is just what screams like, they took like six defensive linemen or like seven defensive linemen. I think like yeah, they they had that, cl- that class had like five five star D linemen, yeah, or something so, something crazy like that. It, yeah, it just is one of those things that you know. Don't get me twisted. We offer kids nil money. We all know that. Me and you know that. But we also know that it is a fraction of what average universities offer nil money. You know, Georgia. I think we've talked about this before. Really, Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama really roughly have the same general um, NIL structure to an extent. You know, we're not really we're not really outbidding each other, I guess. It, when you lose a random to Miami, Texas A&M, some, some different schools like that, you know, people definitely bellied up to, to their pocketbooks and, and sign somebody um, with a check. So. I, I don't see us surpassing it right now. I know me and you know about a couple of decommitments possibly coming in the next few weeks. Um, you, you're also going to get pick up some big commitments. You're going to probably come out net-net maybe in the positive from those things. But um, I don't know. It would have been one of those things you either had to sign like Sammy Brown and Riddick or, you know, um, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think you could finish definitely three or two all time. I just don't know that um, one is on the table per se. I'm still very excited about where this class is headed in terms of possibly being Kirby's best ever. Absolutely, I think it. I'm with you. I think it'll be Kirby's best ever. I don't think it beats um, A and M's. Uh, you, there's a chance that you can see it second. Like he's, I, I'm kind of with you 100 percent there. Um, you know, that's just that's just my thoughts on it. Um, and listen, it's nothing. You know, nothing too too worrisome to get you you know riled up or whatever. Listen, when you have eight five stars or whatever it was, right? That that's that's absurd. Um, however, right, in the hindsight of things, now look at that class. It's it's so all over the place, right? They're not all there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I, I think with, uh, you know, with what Kirby's bringing in, right? And listen, we we, we know that they're not done. Um, you know, like I said, this is going, I think this will be Kirby's best class to date uh, for sure uh, ever on the, in that regard. 
Uh, I do want to bring up some more news here, I guess. Um, obviously, we knew that he uh, that Daniel Calhoun was expected to announce today, but there are more names um, that have confirmed dates in Nair Daniels and Marquis Easley. Uh, you know, Nair is what expected uh, the seventh, uh, Marcus Easley the eighth, right? And then also Joseph Jonah Janye is expected to pop uh, his commitment on the 12th, right? As we know so far, Georgia's got to feel confident with all these guys. Um, is there any one of those names that stick out to you uh, for the month of July? And who, who do you, who are you most excited about? Yeah, I think this isn't necessarily my excitement level, but this is for the people watching right now and then listening tomorrow on the podcast. Um, you know, very interesting you bring up easily. He uh, he dropped a, a top three like recruits do sometimes probably about a month ago. Um, and and the good guys were not in that top three graphic, Robert. Um, it was the University of Alabama – the University of Tennessee and the University of Oklahoma, three, um, for all intents and purposes, three SEC schools um, in that graphic. So definitely kind of kind of seeing where he goes um, should be interesting for, for the dogs. Yeah, I, I think for me, listen, Nair Daniels is a just a mad – like we think Calhoun's big. Uh, I don't know how to explain this, folks, but Nair Daniels is like, is like 370. Yeah. yeah, like 370 Man, range. Four like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, too, as well. So, um, you know, when you look at that right there, you know, but then also if you if you go and watch Marcus Easley's tape, I cannot tell you how how much I want that kid in this class for Georgia. Um, you know, when you look at athletic tackles, right, on the offensive line, you know, I think it's easy to look at, right, Broderick Jones. But what I saw at 345 pounds with 85-inch arms, his ability to get out and run reflects, right, it reflects Broderick. I'm not saying it, he is the, you know, spitting image of it, but – it reflects his ability to do that like Broderick Jones did. And that's what excites me, right? Because right now you look at Marius Mims as being that uber athletic right tackle, right? But you bring in Marcus Easley that has the potential to play left tackle with that athleticism. It's just insane. Uh, it, it's absolutely insane. Uh, Kobe, you posed a question to the brigade. What five-star do y'all want to commit to the dogs before signing? They pick just one, only one. Uh, and we're getting some responses in. Uh, Mitch Alday says he needs KJ Bolden, uh, and then Waniri for uh, Israel. And you know, to pontificate more on this, right? I think Waniri is. I don't. I can't say for me, Kobe, that he's my. Uh, he's the one that I need uh, the most, right? Or the want the most, right? Uh, I, I do think you know maybe not even KJ Bolden. Um, give me Justin Williams. I, I like Justin Williams, but if you're looking at need, I think Aiden Breland would be a name that Georgia can push for. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's expected to commit anytime this month or whatever, but you know, if before signing day, right. Give me Aiden Breland. I, I think what you're looking for there is 
right? That addition to the interior of the defensive line that you need, right? You got three edge rushers in this past cycle. Now you need to uh, bolster up the interior. And what a way to finish out if you get a five-star D-line in Aiden Breland. Uh, I'll let you answer that question yourself. Yeah, um, I I think that I could go a bunch of different ways like you just did. You know, when I I really just start to talk about um, our needs, I mean, Justin, Justin Williams would be just quite the pull at middle linebacker. Um, just considering what you've what you've been doing at middle linebacker. I, I'm with Mitch all day to an extent. I'm ready for KJ Bolden to commit just to hear Ohio State fans cry about how he's been committed to him for so long silently and somehow we keep cheating and getting all these players. And and then I'm with him. You start tearing down a little bit of the walls at Buford, um, you know, it, it, it kind of would get us started. Obviously, Dylan going to be at Buford this this season, um, have a commit in the next class from Buford as well. Um, but but Nick with the facts ignored the one the one name rule and and he's rolling. Um, you know, Justin Williams, Aiden Breland, Williams Nwery, Cam Michael, Chris Jones, KJ Bolden. Um, Whew. What a what a list of names, and 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 I'm here to tell you that I think it's a good list of names for those yeah. for those watching. I think Nick with the facts spit some facts because um, do we do we have some competition for Pat down there? That that was, uh, that sounded like a Christmas list to some of you, but to me it sounded like um, a really good next five or six months of recruiting on the trail yeah i'm with you i you know i, I think when you look at right the month of july <clears throat> like i said we we listed a few of those names um you know I, I think you look at right easily and you look at nair daniels uh joseph jonah johnny yeah then you got um well not in july but august 5th you have bolden bolden excuse me um so like the next month or so is about to get insane. Um, you know, Nick with the fact says likely Dylan Stewart. I know it's not a name that Georgia fans are probably expecting, but, um, you know, he's throwing the facts out, man. So we just got to let people know. Uh, likely Dylan Stewart head to Ohio State. Well, don't count out South Carolina. We'll see what happens. Um, is, it bad? Says, is it bad? I just really want him to go to South Carolina. Like, really want him to go there. Why you want that? I mean, I'm just curious. Is it – I mean – just curious I just hear. think it'd be fun for them to have some like top level, like one top level player, like kind of like back in the day. With clowning. Yeah. Like it's clowning. Well, they got Nicholas Harbor as well, but that's not a defensive guy like like that would be. I'm excited yeah. they got Nicholas Harbor. I'd like to see what he can do. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously Kirby and the dogs have a really good ability to handle one phenomenal player. It's when you start stacking numerous first round draft picks that the defense seems to have a little trouble, but you know, one Nicholas Harbor, one Dylan Stewart. Um, I'd like to see it. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm with him though. I think he's leaning Ohio state. I think they're making a big push. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to go back to Daniel Calhoun though. Um, 
you know, kind of understand what he brings to Georgia's class, right? I know we get carried away with, with other recruits, right? We get ahead of ourselves, but, uh, you know, I kind of want to take a moment to look into, right, what Calhoun brings. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've had a chance to see, um, if you've had a chance to see him play or not, uh, you know, from highlight tapes and things like that, you know, I, I kind of see just a mover. Uh, could be more violent, but I think you see him definitely going to be able to move some people. Uh, I feel like effortlessly at times. Um, you know, like you said, kind of project him, could see him side inside, depending on how things play out, right, with, with the other folks in this class, right? If you see him slim down to, you know, maybe 330-ish range, whatever the case may be, or then you start to really look at the potential there at the tackle spot. But – you know, I, I think you look at Calhoun as being a contributor. Uh, I don't know how early, right? But at the same time, after this year, you know, the expectation is you're losing a lot of guys off the offensive line, um, which is why this class, the offensive line was so important. So I, I guess I'll let you explain a little bit. What are your expectations for, uh, you know, Calhoun and what he brings to Georgia? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I like this right here. Um, sorry, I'm just going to quick caveat. Nick with facts. Calhoun is like a Dewan Jones from Ohio State. I'm only going to have to say this about uh, because of what could be to come, but I think Nair Daniels may fit that mold just a little bit better. Like, just a little bit. I'm, I'm, dude is just pure mass. Like, yeah. it's just. There, there's no way around it. That is just literally a. Just a anytime, anytime you you go, oh, he's six seven plus, three sixty five plus. I mean, that is just a. I mean, that's massive. Um, that is but, massive. But back to Calhoun, you know. Besides Andrew Thomas level first round talent, all pro tackle. You know, you're probably not going to start on the offensive line at the University of Georgia as a freshman. It's not just here. There's a lot of places that you probably are not going to start as a true freshman at, on the offensive line, no matter how good you are um, or how good you were told you were. Um, I, I could see it easily being the kind of thing where you redshirt a year, you're going to kind of have a, a two, a double year of mass exodus, I think. Um you know, you're going to have four offensive linemen leave this year for sure. Um, I think you could see another two possibly leave after that. So, you know, you're losing six six offensive linemen that have played a lot of snaps. You're going to start losing some portal guys here and there, um, some guys that are getting older in their career that maybe haven't played a lot. Um, so, so you're going to start to look thin. That's what we've talked about, that – there is a legitimate chance during this class's like sophomore year, redshirt freshman year, that there could be two of these guys playing offensive line. It's not like it's Bimbian where, you know, we're so excited for Austin Blasky. We've been so excited for, um, you know, guys like that, that we're like, where are they? Where, you know, when are we going to get to see them play? You know, I think what, Blasky and them are juniors? Third year, something like that. Or something like that. <clears throat> Maybe going into you know even fourth year guys, and you haven't even seen them play yet. 
Um, it just speaks to the depth and the ability from the COVID year. Like we're finally about to be done with the COVID year eligibility soon. Um, so I'm excited. I think Calhoun, I think there's going to be, what will that be before the 2025 season? I guess what that'll be. There will be a big turnover in youth in the offensive line. Absolutely. <clears throat> Nick with the facts asks, who's going to be our center once Van Pran leaves? If I had to make a statement, I would probably say Jared Wilson. Uh, you could also see Blasky. I feel like Blasky is an excellent utility piece. Uh, you could play him anywhere, any of the five spots on the line and be fine. Uh, but, Nick, if I had to choose, I'd say Jared Wilson. Kobe, what do you think about that? Uh, just a tough call right now. I mean, we just got to gotta kind of see how the one and two deep fall this season to kind of see, uh, you know, what, what is, we're going to look like next season. You know, how injuries kind of fall out, who has really good years, who's coming back, who hits the portal. Um, I, I think you're right, though. I think Austin Blasky just is a, is a utility player. He could do anything for you. If you need him to come inside and play center, he can. If you need him to play right tackle, right guard, he can. Um, was Van Pran a better center than Trey Hill to you guys? Yes, 100%. Um, I played yeah. with Trey Hill. He was a really good center. Um, he probably wasn't as, even as good as Lamont Gilliard that played center here under Kirby as well. Um, he just I didn't give about, himself. You about Gallier, don't you? Yeah. He just didn't <laughs> give himself enough time. He needed another year, and, and he kind of um, went ahead, went to the Bengals, happy for him. I mean, he got drafted playing. Um, you know, he's their backup center, but just not quite, not quite as good. I think Van Pran will – be possibly like the number one center coming out this um, class. I think that's I think that's very, very reasonable to think that. That's a fair observation to take. Um, let's see. Uh, but yeah, no, I think you know, kind of looking back on it, when you know what Calhoun brings, right? I think that, like I said, I I don't think it gets. I think it gets overlooked a little bit that that is the biggest name in the in the class in the state of Georgia that needed to be picked up, right? If, especially offensive line, right? I mean, I know you got KJ Bolden, you have to keep in state, but uh, it's just a massive win for Georgia recruiting. Well, well, like you're talking about, I guess I'll help you like what you're saying. He's the biggest in-state offensive lineman by a long shot. Like it, it's not like years past where you could assign the, third and fourth best offensive lineman in the state, you had to have him. Like, it was a steep – from one to two was a steep enough dip that you didn't want to have two. Yeah. I, you kind of get nervous about it, too. Like, if you don't – like, obviously, we don't have to go down that road of what if uh, Calhoun doesn't land in this class. Uh, I, mean, I think Georgia would have been okay, but I think the optics would have been – Horrible for Georgia here. Like, I'm I'm just going to use hypothetically. If, if Daniel Calhoun doesn't commit to Georgia, goes to Alabama, right? First off, Alabama's getting a dog. Kid is kid's a monster, right? Road grader. <clears throat> so that's end of Alabama's offensive line class. But secondly, you sit there. You have to have a fallback plan, right? Now your more emphasis is on 
easily and uh, Nair Daniels. But now you look at a guy like, I don't know. I mean, what would you do? You take, well, Ethan Calloway committed to uh, LSU. So he's off the board at that point. And so at Casey Poe, I don't know if, I don't think Casey Poe as much, even if Georgia is recruiting him at that point, I just don't think you see him as, as comparison, you know, comparing to what you have in this class. Just everybody is massive. I think Casey's like six two and a half, six three and a half, or something like that. Like maybe not even three hundred or cracking three hundred. When you compare that to what Georgia's hit uh, so far in this cycle, it kind of tells you what Stacy Searles is trying to do. Well, you're just getting a situation with Casey Poe like you did with Clay Webb. I don't care how good you are. Clay Webb, phenomenal athlete. Played with him, you know, five-star guy at Alabama, for those of you who don't remember, number one center in the class. But he was only like 6'2". I mean, you know, 6'2", 180 or 280 pounds. Maybe on a good day, like he was getting up 290 pounds. But I remember one season, got, he got sick. He was like, you know, had flu or something. Weighed in one day at like 263 pounds. It's because his frame just couldn't hold the weight easily. I mean, at 6'2", it's not easy to be 300 pounds and and be as active as we were. Um, You know, he was super strong, but he had short arms. You know, has has trouble being able to get, you know, get a hold of you kind of thing. Um, You know, those are the things you worry about with like a Casey Poe type lineman. I'm not saying he won't be good. I'm not saying he won't play at Alabama. Just saying that that when you put a guy like Jordan Davis, who's six seven on the defensive line with thirty four and a half inch arms, thirty five inch arms, Trayvon Walker, and you have thirty one and a half inch arms, thirty two inch arms, you lose by three inches. I mean, it's measurable right there. You know. Um, yeah. I think that's why when you get into like the Nair Daniels, the the Daniel Calhouns, those that long length is, is just so important because it gives you that ability to, um, you know, to have a little room for error, I guess. Well, I, I think another thing is, like I said, we, we talk about this cycle and what we're seeing out of this, right? Just massive human beings. Three, we're talking like is it easily at 345, Nair at 370. Calhoun at 350-ish, 360. You know, Marcus Harrison, right, 340-ish. I think Georgia can feel more confident bringing these guys in and trimming down the weight rather than bringing in a guy like a Casey Poe or like a Clay Webb and and trying to figure out how to keep the weight on them and add weight, right? Add good weight but keep them – because the – and, Kobe, you know this, with how much Georgia runs – and you know things like this. It's it's extremely hard to keep weight and add weight during the season. So I, I think Georgia realizes that, and I, I think you're seeing that as a result. You go for bigger guys, just gargantuan human beings, and slim them down to where they need to be. And, and I think that's working right now with what uh, Coach Searles is doing. I'm gonna read my man Nick with the facts, bringing up more things. Um, how many sacks for Nazir Stackhouse this year? Very random question from Nick. Um, you big Nazir Stackhouse fan, Nick? Uh, I would say less than four. 
maybe less than three. Man's playing interior, like true nose guard to zero shade, maybe getting out to a three technique on occasion. Um, maybe if he runs some good games or stunts, he gets home a couple of times throughout the year. But uh, not he's not going to have many from the interior. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I think another thing, though, when I'm starting to see some of these uh, questions about future commits or potential announcements, right, I do think it's as interesting, right, that Georgia's in – we knew Georgia was involved with Marcus Easley. But if I'm not mistaken, Marcus Easley decided to put a top three to kind of allude to what you would mentioned earlier, uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Oklahoma. But then, right, so from, if you're a Georgia perspective, you kind of, you're just like, what? However, when you look at it, the the predictions are all going to Georgia, right? Like, is this a troll? I think so. Uh, if I had to choose right now, I think it's a troll. And it'll be fun to watch if he commits to Georgia on the 8th. Because um, I, I think a lot of people are going to be salty about that. And it's not Georgia fans, though. So I just want to leave that there. Well, especially in the in the days of like, and you can help me with this because I was not paying attention yesterday, but they were talking about on Twitter the guy, um, offensive lineman, on three has him rated as their number one offensive tackle. No other site has him, I don't even think, in their top ten. Um, and he dropped a top three. It's Georgia, Florida State, and Kentucky. And it's like, oh, you talking about Jonathan Daniels? You talking about Jonathan Daniels? Yeah. Why did he even drop that top three? We're not recruiting him. You know, I don't know about Kentucky. I can't speak for Kentucky, but like, man's had like a dozen crystal balls to Florida State in the past twelve days. Just go ahead and get the interactions. You know, that's all that's for. It's for follows. It's for interactions. You got some Georgia fans tweeting under your page. You got some Florida State fans tweeting under your page. You got the one Kentucky fan out in the world tweeting under your page. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing there, but um, if you're going, if you're going to stir the pot, at least you know, be like, oh, I'm choosing between Florida and Florida State. That yeah. you got some interactions in. Um, but yes, very obviously, as I'm alluding to, Nick Jonathan Daniels. Is I mean, we will be shocked if he does not commit to Florida State because we know he's not coming here, which only leaves apparently Kentucky out of that top three. But, um, you know, it, it, it definitely is setting up to be an all-time – it may even surpass the hat throw from um, – from Wait, Walker? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big troll job to put out a, to put I, out a true top three – and and just not pick like, anyone. Oh. I, you know what? I don't know if it's a troll job like that, though, man. To be honest, I think. Well, it is a troll job, but I, I'm telling you right now, I don't see. I don't know if there will be anything that tra- that that trolls that Tennessee hat toss, man. Like, I, I just don't see anything topping it. And the reason why I say that is because I don't think that hat ever landed. I think it went into orbit, and you'll it's probably never see it again. And, yeah, I, I, it literally could be still flying. So, you know, listen, is it a troll job? 
probably so if he commits to Georgia, it will be, yes. But at the same time, like, <laughs> I, I just don't know if anything will top that. Uh, as we move on, <clears throat> excuse me, one final wrap-up before we wrap this up. Go, we got a busy week, right? Like, we've, we've already mentioned this several times. When we come back Monday, Georgia's class could look a lot different and in a good way. Uh, and we'll be sitting here looking at prepping for another week of commitments. Oh, Nick with the fact says he knows about Charles Lester. He's going to Florida State, got bailed out. Um, you know, listen, Kobe, you're thinking, you're thinking Buffalo. Um, talk about going to Colorado. That'd be interesting, especially with Prime out there. He digresses, folks. You he heard, digresses. You heard it here first, I guess. Maybe, Mr. Nick. Maybe. Maybe you're hearing it here first. I don't know. <laughs> um, other than that, there any final words on um, Calhoun's commitment to Georgia? Yeah, I mean, just always, always a great time when you get a big commitment like that. I, I don't think people realize, um, and and some of us do, and some of us were newer fans. Um, you know, not going to call anybody a bandwagon fan, but you know, people do become fans or more involved fans as teams win more. Um, you're probably not watching this podcast if you're relatively new, but maybe you are. But, uh, you know, you just haven't always been getting linemen as good as Daniel Calhoun. I guess if you look at him and you say, oh, he's only the sixth or seventh um, offensive tackle in his class, depending on what site, why aren't we getting the number one tackle? Like, we should be getting a five-star number one tackle every year. There were years – under you know not that long ago that we weren't getting a top 10 tackle every year you know we weren't getting a top 15 tackle every year we were getting guys from you know in the state that were the the 15th tackle in the state of georgia um and and they were playing on saturdays for the dogs so enjoy this time enjoy the ability to to argue and troll other fan bases because you know you you are living through the the golden age right this second of Georgia football. You're back-to-back. You're getting pretty much any recruit you want, minus a little bit of, you know, shady money deals on the side. And and the great wall of Georgia only builds. And we have proven under Kirby that games are won and lost in the trenches. If we can stop you from running the ball and we can run the ball on you, we're winning at like a 99% clip right the second. So. Yep, absolutely nuts. Uh, you know, my final thoughts on this, obviously Georgia is a must-have. Uh, Calhoun was a must-have for Georgia. <clears throat> Excuse me. Must-have for, uh, for the University of Georgia. Georgia lands their guy. Um, you know, expected to, to, you know, I don't think Georgia's done. Um, but we'll keep, the, we'll keep the line light on Calhoun for today. Uh, and on that note, guys, we're going to wrap this thing up again. Daniel Calhoun, four-star offensive tackle, commits to the University of Georgia. Uh, with that being said, have a great day. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe. Uh, check out our sponsors before we before we wrap up. I forgot. Uh, get so carried away with this. Uh, Apotheos Roastery uh, and Alumni Hall. Go check them out. Uh, Check them out on our website, dgdpodcast.com. And with that being said, have a great day. Go dogs, and we'll see y'all next time. Go dogs.